please have a seat. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you know the voice of God? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is what Jesus says to the religious leaders in Jerusalem. The lectionary committee has made a skip around here for the Good Shepherd Sunday. And we are catching up with Jesus in the story that's pre-crucifixion, pre-resurrection. So let's go back in time before Easter. He's in Jerusalem where as a devout Jew, Jesus is observing the festival of the dedication, which we might know as Hanukkah. And in the chapters prior to this, in Jesus's life, as we know, Jesus has healed, he has taught, he has performed miracles, he has provided theological and scriptural reasoning. He has proved in his Christ-like way that he is the Messiah. And yet, some of the people do not hear his voice and do not follow him. The religious leaders in particular keep asking, keep whining, keep trying to entrap him, keep trying to make sense of that which is nonsense, keep asking the why, why, why that toddlers or maybe teenagers might ask when we're at the end of our rope. And sometimes I think, who can blame them? Jesus is asking for a lot here. And Jesus was much kinder to Thomas in the days after the resurrection. Doubting Thomas, we might know him as, when Thomas said he couldn't believe in the risen Christ until he had seen the wounds in Jesus' body, Jesus appears to Thomas, gives him a hug, forgives him, and then eats fish with him. Thomas gets a beach breakfast. But the religious leaders, Jesus claps back. And he says, look, if you wanted to believe me, you would believe me by now. I have given you plenty of reason, plenty of love, instruction, and you just keep digging your heels in the ground. You simply don't want to hear my voice. You simply don't want to follow me. Sometimes I relate more to the religious leaders in this story than I do to Jesus. Do I really want to follow God's voice? Can you... Please just tell me what I was thinking anyways, God. That would be really helpful. But we can't have faith without doubt. We cannot leap when there is no cavern to cross. The tension is here between God's call and our human response, between God's nonsense and human common sense, between God's yearning and human hubris, between the realm of God and the power plays of humanity, between open heart and closed ears. And lest we forget that we are all connected, we might hear the voice of God, discern the voice of God, feel spurred on by faith and conviction, and yet be met with the powers of evil that are free to roam this world. We hear the voice of Jesus say, God wants the lion to lie down next to the lamb. And the people say, not when nuclear weapons are involved. We hear the voice of Jesus say, 
God loves us as we are. And the people say, but not those who are trans. We hear the voice of Jesus say, God wants us to be free. And the people say, but not those with a uterus. We hear the voice of God say, of Jesus say, God seeks justice. And the people say, don't talk about it in the classroom. We hear the voice of Jesus say, God gives life and our friends die. This is a great ordeal. That's the word that we get in the scene from Revelation, an ordeal. And I don't need to tell you the ordeals I and we have faced this week, let alone this month or the last years. We are in a great ordeal. My spouse and I live in this great ordeal, and one of the pieces is that we have been crying out for God's voice as we discern the vocation of parenthood. And in these conversations and figuring out if and how God might want us to be parents, I found myself asking folks of every generation, why would I bring a child into this world? Why would I force someone to live in this hellscape when I'm terrified for myself as it is? And then I turned to the words of my saints, And I remember these words that were attributed to Martin Luther, and he is said to have said something like this. If I knew the world ended tomorrow, today I would plant an apple tree. If I knew the world ended tomorrow, I would plant an apple tree today. An apple tree begins our story of origin as Christians, and maybe an apple tree ends it as well. The apples will continue to nourish and feed and spread and grow if we are around to see it or not. From applesauce to apple pie, the tree is a symbol of how to look past the dumpster fire that could be tomorrow and instead see what could be. Maybe the apple tree can give us a glimpse into the vision of God. In that scene from Revelation, the elder says, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. They have come out of this great ordeal, which is something I'm not sure any of us could say that we are out of a great ordeal but they've done this by bathing themselves in the Lamb of Christ. They didn't get out of it by pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. They didn't work their way out of it. They didn't pay their way out of it. They didn't politic their way out of it. They didn't science their way out of it. They didn't even vote or organize their way out of this great ordeal. The only way out is to turn to the voice of Christ to root our lives on this rumor of grace, to ring our bells as we shout hallelujah, to be astonished once more that Jesus did it again. He was murdered on this human earth in a political execution, and then he came back and gave Thomas a hug. 
They had a beach breakfast. Maybe the reason that I will bring a child into new life is because Jesus shows me again and again that it's worth it. God has sealed us and marked us as God's own forever. That is why we wash our robes. That is why we dance and sing alleluia. That's why we leap across a cavern of doubt. That's why we feast at the table together. That is why we plant our apple trees. Because we hear God's voice. God knows us. And we follow it.